Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roots Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Vice Sports news and analysis. Well, that was not fun for anybody, unless you live in Boca Raton, I guess. But yeah. A uh, bit of a downer after the general optimism we were feeling after uh, heading into the week. And, um, yeah, not, yeah. not, not funny. <laughs> I think I, maybe we should have expected this because we said going into the year, if TJ McMahon was going to be the quarterback, that we'd probably have some high highs and some low lows. But you never really brace yourself for the low lows when you're in the high highs, right? Like. Yeah. This one kind of it it hit pretty hard. Like knowing it, that statistically you are bound for a bad and not fun performance doesn't make them any less pleasant when they actually happen. Like for instance, me as an Alabama fan, that like realistically they couldn't continue to beat Tennessee like literally every single year just because they hadn't lost to them since before iPhones were invented. But like it still stung. <laughs> that's a that's a good it makes it more meaningful to say uh, you know predate some ubiquitous piece of technology than an actual year yeah that's funny uh but yeah like this game and i think how how it happened was the part that was so aggravating because you know rice starts this game and their first offensive possession i think what did they lose 18 yards i think they just went backwards uh, oh, yeah. they lost 16. I'm going to correct. I'm going to give them two extra yards there. So it was 4th and 26. They just went backwards. And then the second possession, boom, 78-yard touchdown to Brad Rosner, longest of his career. That was fun. And then you drive down the field on the next one, and you have Ari Broussard pick up his ninth rushing touchdown in six games. And at that point, I'm like, Rice is going to score 80. This is what I'm legitimately thinking in my head. And they yep. don't score again. <laughs> like, literally not for the entire rest of the game. It just, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And it was frustrating. So we were we were talking before we started the recording, and this was in some ways the, uh, the gods of the odds coming back to bite rice after uh, a... a uh, sort of low probability win against UAB last week. Um, if you go look again at Bill Connolly's post-game win expectancy stat, uh, FAU's post-game win expectancy in this game was 15%. So statistically, Rice should have won this game, which the positive way to spin that, I suppose, is, well, you know, we've seen this Rice team go through a lot of situations this year, and... They showed last week that they could be the team that doesn't play its best, but still makes plays when they matter and is able to to pull out something and come back and 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 really fight their way through a game when maybe they should have lost. And uh, on the flip side, this week shows that it uh, they are capable of thoroughly outplaying another team, but uh, you know if they don't make those right plays in those right moments, then you know anybody can lose. Uh, the other part of that, though, is that it certainly did not feel like Rice dominated this game and then just sort of gave it away. Like, I think the big factor in that 
difference in the probabilities is that Rice averaged 5.1 yards per play as opposed to FAU only getting 3.9. But Rice also only had 261 total yards. So it's, uh, you know, on a per play basis, they outgained FAU by a substantial margin, but it still was not exactly a pretty performance. Yeah. And I mean, some of the, just the oddities in this game. So Rice converted a third down on the it was the right before the the Brad Rosner play so that would have been their second drive of the game Rice converted a third down they would go on to convert zero third downs for the rest of the game that was their only third down conversion one for eight which is that's pretty yes that's bad that's really bad uh, their average distance on third down was third and eight. I think something that this offense has done really, really well the past couple weeks has been to get it into third and manageable where it's not an obvious passing situation, which kind of that set up a lot of the problems, I think, in this game, because, you know, we got to talk about the offensive line because they kind of credit to them. They have kind of piecemealed it together this was the first game this season where they'd started the same five guys in consecutive games up front but there the protection was very inconsistent and and kind of what made it seem so frustrating because it wasn't like you could just point to oh man this one guy this one guy is just like he's not up to snuff and like it's just not working. It was it was almost if like on one play both tackles would just not do it. On one play it would be a back that missed this block. On one play that you know two sides on the interior would block the same guy or like it was they took turns just not having the best moment and often they came in those third downs in those key situations and Rice like they could not protect TJ to give him time to throw the football and they couldn't run the ball and they didn't really have time. It's especially frustrating for that kind of those sort of fundamental mistakes, those, those things, those like mental mistakes to come after a bye week. Yeah, absolutely. It was really frustrating and it was, it was so tough to, to swallow because something that I thought Something that I've seen from Tui in the offense particularly is their second half adjustments, I thought, this season have been, you know, sans the USC game where just everything got blown up. I think for the most part, their second half adjustments, they've been really good. Rice has not, like, started as fast, I think, this year as they had in years past. You know, the first drive, you know, the 2020 2019 2020 team like they would just go down and score on the first drive they scripted that out and it worked and then it just kind of stopped so they haven't been as good out of the gate but their second half adjustments at a halftime like you saw them do it against uab where they just come out and score and get the stop and they just get rolling the fact that they only ran what six plays in the third quarter like i think they had two three and outs and they were there was no like Rice had three minutes of time of possession in the third quarter, and they gained twenty one total yards. Um, so not quite 
at the three and outs, but like it was just to to that I felt like that was part of what just kind of killed the momentum of of the game because I felt like at that point you, you know Rice was up fourteen to seven and UAB gets that one field goal back in the third quarter. The defense is playing really well. It still kind of felt like okay, you go put one in the box here and it's twenty one to ten. And FAU had 14 passing yards in the first half in, yeah, 14. And Nikosi Perry, you know, he kind of took over in the fourth quarter. And I thought he did really, really, really well in the fourth quarter. I, FAU doesn't win the game if he's not playing at, at as high a level as he was. But, but it felt like in that third quarter going into the fourth quarter, if Rice scores there and they, they go up by two scores again, it kind of felt like that was all like they were that close, you know? Yeah, it, it wouldn't have mattered. Like it, it for as bad as for most of the game, if Rice puts together like one drive and punches it in in the in anywhere in the second half, then like they still win the game. And it was frustrating that like you know against UAB before they had several really nice drives and then a whole bunch of nothing outside of that. This uh, this game was uh, one long play, one nice drive, and a whole lot of nothing outside of that. So uh, if you could get maybe one more nice drive in there, that would be uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, and I think something that I think maybe maybe I've started to take it for granted, but and I I need to not, but. The the defense in this game for Rice, I, I thought, and it'll be interesting to kind of see this going forward. I think for the past couple weeks, I felt like when FAU tried to go fast, that's when they were able to kind of have some success. That that kind of hurry up and, and making Rice kind of make calls and adjust on the fly. I thought where that's that's where they kind of struggled, but I think for the most part. And you see just, you know, allowing the two touchdowns, that that one touchdown, that backbreaker in the fourth quarter after what felt like a million chances where the defense just kind of, you know, bowed their necks and were great. But you talk about some of the, the big plays that they had in this game. I mean, Josh Piercy is better than I thought he would be. And I thought he was going to be really, really good. Like. He apparently Bloom said this in the press conference today. He leads Conference USA in sacks per game, which is good. That'll do it. Uh, you had you had George Nyakwal come in and force the fumble that ends up in a, a third and thirty three, which so basically kills the drive. Uh, you have Myron Morrison. Shout out to Myron Morrison. You yeah, what fifteen had, tackles? Doing his best Blaze Aldridge impersonation. Yeah, and if not like. I, I, I was talking with some some people after the game about this. You know, we were like, I don't know what's going to happen with the linebacker position. Myron Morrison and Chris Conti have been awesome. 24, to, like, you know, obviously, if there's been going to be a position that racks up tackles, it's, it's inside linebackers. And it doesn't always mean a whole lot. But, like, 24 tackles between the two of them in one game is very impressive. Yeah, the defense like, as a whole comes up with stellar. nine tackles for loss in this game. Nine, and we didn't even talk about Kirk Lockhart's play on the goal line. 
And this is the, 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 the play that he had to knock the ball out, fumble through the end zone to stop what could, should have been at least the tying drive for FAU, if not the go-ahead drive at that point. And I thought this was really interesting because I kind of saw this during the game. So Lamont Narcisse is usually the guy who plays kind of the slot corner role for this defense. And I'm not sure what happened, but midway through the first quarter, he kind of goes off the field and they move Gabe Taylor over and Gabe kind of becomes he plays he plays almost the whole game and the sly. He's not a true safety. So they bring Lockhart in behind him backfilling at safety. So this is not in you know, Lockhart. He started a lot in 2020, I believe. Yeah. When he was one of the few healthy guys left and then he was hurt last year. If I'm getting all my years correct. So he's had some starting experience in this defense. But to kind of be called on cold to basically play the whole game and to have a play that big. You know, I think that's a testament to this defense because we've been talking about, man, they're so good, but they're so deep. When you can have your twos come out and. You know. There's a scenario where Rice doesn't turn the ball over again and you could say that stop on the on the goal line, that play was the game winning stop <laughs> from a two. That's like this defense is playing at an extremely high level. Yeah, and it just makes it all the more frustrating when you look at the offense and the offensive line. Like, yeah, they've had some guys go down, but like what? I mean, that happens to everyone. It happens to the defense at certain positions and they're still able to come up with plays like what what is the disconnect here that that you can't get because like i you can't put any fault on a defense in a game like this and and you know we had wondered at times and like you know we thought this defense was was pretty solid but you know maybe not up to the standards that they've been maybe before but like they faced seven they faced 80 plays in this game essentially and gave up 17 points and less than four yards of play. Like, you, you you can't ask for more than that when you're just not getting any support for the other side of the, from the other side of the ball. Yeah, which, I mean, and I guess the, the, I guess the question that I'm mulling right now is, you know, the first couple weeks of the season where there were all those tip, tip pass interceptions... I think I think Rice is at five balls that have hit a receiver's hand and been intercepted this year by my unofficial count, which is it what seems like an absurdly high number. Yeah, I would say that was like you just turnover luck or unluck that was going to stop happening, but it keeps happening. <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to you know process here is is what version of this offense do we think is the offense we're going to get on most of the Saturdays that we have left? Because I think this offense as currently we've seen it is the 2020 offense with more big plays sprinkled in. And, and I'm, it, it's been better than that. We've seen them be more efficient and more effective, but they haven't quite taken the step where they can run the ball effectively, which is something that this team was supposed to be able to do and yeah. then not turn the ball over. And at some point, like we're six games into the season and we haven't seen that yet. So how 
longer can going to get there. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't know, I guess the sort of ideal version of this offense was in the, the I don't know, the, the Louisiana game where you, you know, you're playing comparable talent, you put up 30 plus points, you're, you're able to put together several good drives across the course of the game, but then like, you know, that game was still closer than it should have been because you turned the ball over a bunch and it's like, I don't know. So, something's got to change there. Like you, you gotta. I'm like it, it, I don't know. It, it feels like turnover problems should be something that's fixable. Like it just, it's, it's frustrating to watch that continue because despite everything, Rice should have won this game at the end, like maybe twice. But then you turn the ball over twice, basically in the end zone each time with a chance to win the game, and and that's it. Yeah, and this is, like, I I still, like, I'm not throwing in the towel on the offense yet because we've seen, you know, years past, it's been just that, that consistency outside of that one, literally that one scripted drive to start the game, it just hasn't been there. I think even in the fourth quarter of this game where they did turn it over, you know, Rice had a couple nice drives where they needed to, like the offense basically, like after the first two uh, scoring drives of this game, uh, the offense just packed it in for basically two hours, right? Like that's what it felt like. And then... The fourth quarter when, okay, FAU scores that touchdown the beginning of the fourth quarter to go take the lead, then officially it's red alert time, and it's like, okay, offense, can you do this? Well, they get the return from Sean Fresh, which absolute, like, special teams have been really good this year for the most part. So shout out to Sean Fresh and the the unit there, but... Then you go five plays, 58 yards in three minutes and 19 seconds, and you get to the six yard line or whatever like that, like that, that, and that's something that makes me more confident that this offense can, I don't know if figure it out is the right word, but at least take that next step because, you know, they got there, they were right there. And then the defense gets the ball back two more times. And they have yeah. the other interception on the deep shot, which <laughs> you don't like it. But like I was, I was frustrated. But at that point, like it was not like, how dare you throw that ball? Like you know, like right. it wasn't the most egregious thing in the world. And then <laughs> their last series of the game, like they just had honestly defensive backs jumping on people's backs before the ball got there, and. I don't know what else they were going to do. Like, I'm not going to go complain and say the refs were the reason they didn't win. Like, that that wasn't why. But I, did, I didn't think anything they did down the, the last, you know, couple drives was particularly egregious. It just didn't didn't work. And I'm willing to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt when you have, you know, that ability just to turn it on because we haven't seen it before. Not to this degree, at least. And then when you have the yeah. defense that is doing that, like, 
if you would have told me that Rice turned the ball over in the end zone with 319 left and they were going to get two more possessions. Right. Just like, good night. This might be the best defense in Conference USA. Like, it's got to be close. Four points. Scoring defense, technically. Uh, Rice, fourth in Conference USA in scoring defense. If you want to just go to the conference games, which is UAB and FAU, uh, 20 points a game, that's second to Western Kentucky. And I guarantee you, Teddy Hilltopper fans listening here, Western Kentucky does not have a better defense than Rice. Just going just gonna to go out on a limb right there. How many how many even Western if, Kentucky fans do you think we have that just casually listen to this uh, when it's not if you're now? a Western fan and you casually listen to this, please uh please like add us, yeah. Yeah. But even here's the thing that's crazy so about this defense, because you know, we've talked about what's made us sad. I want to talk a little bit about this defense, how good it is, because I think it's well within reason that and we're not gonna get too far onto like what the future schedules is, but Rice has three very winnable games in the next three weeks. And if they win those three games, they could clinch a bowl game like by early November. Like it's well within reason. Uh, I think the defense could like physically win two of those games by themselves. Like it's it it's very possible. Rice has allowed three hundred forty five yards per game, which is second in conference USA. And that accounts for playing USC and Houston. Pretty solid. Yeah, if like they can this just team, uh, have, have one turnover a game instead of four, that would uh, that might do it. I would think so. Maybe we say this, and like the odds in their favor. So I guess I, I think by and large, I'm. Like on the scale of Louisiana to FAU, <laughs> I think, <laughs> and you you know where I'm going with this. I think the team is probably more like two two to one towards the Louisiana side of the spectrum. Yeah, and I, I don't think you can come out of this game. Without any concerns, like it's not a, oh, this was a fluke loss. Things went crazy. Like there are real issues here that are sort of continuations of worries that we've had thus far with this team. So, uh, you know, as as blustery as we may have been feeling two weeks ago, I think there's there's real cause for concern at this point. But. It's not. Like if you thought two weeks ago that that Rice was. Uh, definitely going to make a bowl and potentially contend for Conference USA. Like maybe that conference, maybe that confidence is diminished a little bit right now, but it's not totally gone. Yeah, and like, I think I think that's kind of like the the line, the thin line I'm trying to walk here because the Louisiana game I thought was was pretty instructive of where I think this team is and kind of where they kind of settle out because it was one of those like. They played well, but like it like 70% of like a maximum efficiency great game. And those are teams that, you know, lose a couple games that they could have won 
or one that they shouldn't have lost, you know? And those are teams that don't win conferences, by and large. Like, the team that, that Rice played against Louisiana, where, like, you're really good, but, like, you still have some mistakes that can kind of stockpile or, you know, roll up on you. And I think going into this game against FIU, we'd seen that game and we'd seen UH and UAB and we've seen a team that has kind of played some messy games, but we had the hope of, you know, what if they turn it all around? I'm, I guess I'm starting to be kind of tempered on the odds that the stars align and they can consistently start churning out, you know, 85% plus efficiency on all sides of the ball. Yeah. Like I syncing them up. I don't know if I can trust them to do that, but do I think that they can fire it 95, like 95% on defense and fire it 70% on at least three or four games down the stretch mm-hmm. and be really competitive? Like, yeah. I think they can. Like they like, have six games left. There is no reason to think they can't go 500 in those six games. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not even going to like try and backpedal too much from when we were talking, you know, conference championship we weren't saying or bust, but we're saying this is a team that's in there. Like, this is still a team that can beat everybody they play left on their schedule. Yeah. And, like, like I realize if, if they happen to have, if this is sort of the come to Jesus moment and there's sort of a collective, you know, I don't know, polishing after this where, where everybody kind of elevates their level. Like, we have seen them perform at a level that is consistent with a contender in this conference. And if they can do that consistently, then they're still there. Like, I don't think at this point in this, you look at them and say, oh, it is likely that they are going to play at that level consistently going forward. But they've shown that they're capable of it on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm at. Like, this is a team like if you say, can you beat the worst teams on your schedule? Go three and three and make a bowl. Yeah. I I would also like not shock me if they lose to Louisiana Tech and beat UTSA. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, because like it's the consistency that's been lacking, not the ability. We've seen the ability and the upside's really good. So and like you said, maybe they pull it together. So I think it's one of those things where like, yeah, I think the odds are that they've gone from being the, the they are at least coin flips are better in those games that they should win. And now they've gone from like, oh, yeah, maybe you pull a UAB to like, yeah, this should probably be a competitive game in the second half against your UTSAs and your North Texases and things like that. So I think we still feel pretty good about this team where they're at. I feel like I'm kind of wavering on my belief in their ability to be their best consistency consistently, which, yeah. you know, honestly, if we talked about where we wanted this team to be. <laughs> Like we wanted them to make a bowl game. We wanted them to win six games and we wanted them to be, be competitive. Like the fact that we are kind of bummed that they're not super competitive and at their best all the time kind of speaks to how I, maybe they've jumped ahead of their skis a little bit, but I still kind of want to hold their feet to the fire a little bit and say, okay, you can't take it back. You've now shown us that you can do this. So we are expecting it. (laughs) Like step it up. It's, it's time to maybe temper our expectations from where they were at sort of their most feverish a couple of weeks ago to, but not time to be like, well, you know, if, if they've already won three games, so they're doing a, like 
you showed us you could be that team. Like, I think we can definitely still be disappointed that they're not going to be that all the time. But, like, you know, at the same time, if they make a bowl, even if the remaining half of the season is really frustrating to watch at times, like, if they make that bowl, then that's that's still a great season compared to where they've been. So, like, that is, and that's still something to build on for, for the jump into the American next year. So, like. Yeah. 500 is now the floor. That's what you've gone through six games, and USC was one of those games, and we never thought you were going to beat USC. So if you're yeah. 500 now, 500 is the floor, and I think we want to see you know progress and build. So go be better than 500 down the stretch. I think that's not without reason and doable, and then we'll go from there. So we won't. I don't think we need to you know get too pie in the sky on that. But I think I you know since we talked about championship expectations, I feel like we got to kind of. Re- reassessed how good this team is uh, or can be. And I think we're, we're optimistic, but tempered. And we would love for this team to go beat Louisiana tech by 60 and be feverish again, because that's what college football is all about. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's not really hope springs eternal so much as it is like irrational overconfidence springs eternal. I think is the right attitude as a college football fan. Um, so hopefully we're back there next week. Hopefully uh, they 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 have a decisive victory over Louisiana Tech, or they could be a. I don't feel like it's going to be a decisive loss. Like if they lose, it's probably going to be something as just horrendously awful to watch as this past week was. But uh, hopefully we'll be back next week. We will be back next week. Hopefully talking about a uh, very satisfying victory, or at least just to victory in general. Uh, but we will see y'all then. And rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.